0: Hey y'all, this is May, and I want to welcome you to Crimes of a Decade, a Texas true crime podcast. This season, I'll be discussing murders from the year 1930 through 1939. Today's story is of a male murderer from 1933. So grab me some Whataburger and open that dark pepper. Let's go back in time to Texas, true crime. In 1933, Adolf Hitler was appointed Chancellor of Germany. He then went on to ban all other political parties, turning Germany into a one-party state. That same year, physicist Albert Einstein renounced his German citizenship to move to the United States to become a Professor of Theoretical Physics at Princeton. Einstein, who was known as a pacifist and also Jewish, seemed to be factors that contributed to his fear of the new Nazi government that was taking over Germany. However, Einstein did not gain his United States citizenship until 1940. Another thing that happened in 1933 was a murder over $15 please join me in walking down Erie lane according to history.com The Great Depression was the worst economic downturn in the history in the industrialized world. It lasted from 1929 to 1939, beginning after the stock market crash of October 1929 that sent Wall Street into a panic and wiped out millions of investors. Over the next several years, consumer spending and investment dropped, causing steep declines in industrial output and employment as failing companies laid off workers. By 1933, the Great Depression reached its lowest point, with some 15 million Americans unemployed, and nearly half the country's banks had failed. Here's an outline leading up to 1933. The Wall Street Crash occurred in October 1929. Banks began to fail in 1930. And because there was no Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation FDIC, in place at this time, people withdrew their savings from banks, making the situation worse. On June 17, 1930, the Smoot Hawley Tariff Act raised U.S. tariffs on over 20,000 imported goods to record levels. By 1932, Hundreds of thousands became homeless and began congregating in shanty towns or tent cities. Others traveled the country looking for work. 1933 is known as one of the worst years during the Great Depression, with the United States unemployment reaching its highest level in the winter of 1932 and 1933, with nearly one in three people unemployed. This struggle was felt in Lufkin, Texas, by Charlie Outlaw, especially when he heard that two of his neighbors, Mr. Schaffner and Mrs. McCall, had negotiated the sale of a bale of cotton for $15. He became quite intrigued, as $15 in 1933 is the equivalent to about $300 today. In the early morning hours of January twenty-fourth, 1933, Outlaw walked to the McCall Farm, owned by the McCall family since the beginning of 1932. Roberta McCall and her 13-year-old daughter, Sally, worked tilling and cultivating several acres of the 100-acre tract. The mother and daughter also shared the home with Roberta's invalid husband, Frank, and her elderly mother, L.J. Looney. Outlaw knocked on their door and asked to come in as he had a toothache and was hoping they had some medicine to give him. Upon entering their home, he asked for a cup of coffee. Roberta obliged and made him a cup. Then Outlaw asked for $10. But McCall looked at him and said she was unable to let him have that amount of money. The two neighbors went back and forth with each other until Outlaw requested that Roberta at least give him $2.50 so he could hire a truck and buy some groceries. Nicole conceded and agreed to this amount. But as she went to her purse to get out the cash, Charlie Outlaw saw the full $15 and snapped. Outlaw struck Roberta in the head several times with a hammer. During this time, Roberta yelled out, Oh, you have killed me! to which Outlaw replied, I intend to kill you. He then turned to Frank and attacked him. After this, he walked to the room where Roberta's mother and daughter were sleeping and holding a pistol in one hand and a hammer in the other. He attacked them severely, beating and injuring them. Outlaw took the money and ran from the home. Roberta was able to crawl to a neighbor, Giles Perkins' house, a few hundred yards away, and cry out for help. Responding to her call, the neighbor found her lying on the ground with blood all around her. He saw that her head was bloody and her hair like wire, stiff with cold blood. After alerting her neighbor of the attack, Roberta fell into unconsciousness. Upon hearing her calls, more neighbors rushed to the McCall home. When they entered, they found the whole family to be bloody, blood in numerous places throughout the house, and that the McCalls were in no shape to help themselves. All were rushed to the Angelina County Hospital. Roberta McCall was in surgery for several hours, and despite numerous blows on her head, was reported to have a chance for recovery the wounds sustained by 13-year-old Sally and 80-year-old L.J. Looney were found not to be fatal. Frank McCall was believed to not be in a favorable condition as a result of his weakness, nervousness, shock, and wounds. But he was able to give an accurate statement to the police, letting them know the man they were looking for was Charlie Outlaw. Charlie Outlaw was charged with four counts of assault and two counts of highway robbery. But police were still unable to locate him. Sadly, two days after the attack, Roberta McCall died from her injuries. By February 3rd, a $400 reward was offered by the governor and citizens to help aid in the search for Outlaw. He was a skilled woodsman and was believed to be hiding in the woods of the Douglas area in the thick undergrowth lining the Angelina River bottom lands. Yet he was able to evade arrest for five more months. And he probably could have stayed hidden for a lot longer, but was identified due to a photograph in a detective magazine. City Marshal Matthews of Edora, Arkansas saw the photograph and recognized it as a farmhand who had come to the Arkansas village three weeks earlier and went by the name Hall. He called over to the Lufkin Police Department and asked for a photograph to confirm, and once he was confident his identification was correct, he, along with another officer, went to the farm and confronted Outlaw, who first denied he was the fugitive. But after being shown the photographs, he admitted he was the one who was being sought for the attack on the McCall family. Charlie Outlaw was captured on June 24, 1933, and returned back to Texas. His charges had been upgraded to one count of murder, three counts of assault, and two counts of highway robbery. Outlaw denied the implications that he had anything to do with the murder of Roberta McCall. His statement to police was that he was in Lufkin the morning the woman was found beaten, heard he was accused, hid in the wood several days, and then made his way to Fort Worth. After staying there two weeks, and then two weeks in Oklahoma City, he then made his way to the farm in Arkansas, where he had been captured. He maintained his innocence even after all three surviving McCall family members identified him as their attacker. The judge assigned to this case said he would be pushing for the trial to start the next month. Mrs. Looney, mother of Roberta, and Roberta's husband, Frank McCall, were to be the state's star witnesses. Unfortunately, on June 28, 1933, Frank McCall passed away from pneumonia, yet the trial was still set to start in July. Sally McCall replaced her father as a witness, and she along with her grandmother were asked to identify Charlie Outlaw in court. Outlaw was brought into the courtroom for a few minutes before being returned to jail. Mrs. Looney was asked if she knew the person that had just left the courtroom. With eyes full of anger and voice trembling, she replied, I should say I do. I know him with all my heart and soul. That man was Charlie Outlaw, who frequently visited in our home until that terrible night that I will never forget. Mrs. Looney also showed reporters the deep scars that remained in her head from the blows the broken and disfigured finger that she received when throwing up her hand to try to ward off some of the blows. Thirteen-year-old Sally had been attacked by Outlaw when trying to climb out of the window. She was still undergoing operations at this time for the removal of pieces of bone from her head as the result of blows from the hammer. The trial of Charlie Outlaw started on August 3, 1933. And just two days later, he was found guilty and sentenced to death for the murder of Roberta McCall. August 19th, only 10 days after his conviction, Outlaw was found attempting suicide in his cell by hanging himself with a blanket. His neck was bruised badly, but he would recover. Also found in his cell were a number of notes that he was planning to leave behind. One was addressed to the sheriff, requesting that the news he planned to use to take his life, be placed in a window in a store here. Another note addressed his wife, professing his innocence. On April 25th, 1934, Charlie Outlaw was 60 years old, a grandfather, and the oldest man ever to occupy a cell on death row at that time. He greeted his brother-in-law and son with a smile two days before he was to die and said to them, For an old man about ready to die, I reckon I'm feeling fine. On April 27th, Outlaw walked to the death chamber, and before taking his place in the electric chair, he turned to the warden and said, I'm too old a man to die with a lie on my lips, warden. I didn't do it. Then sat down and was executed for his crimes. I want to say a huge thank you to Newspapers.com, Casetext.com, and all the other great resources that helped me get all the information for this episode. I'll put a link to their work in the show notes. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Crimes of a Decade, a Texas true crime podcast. Next week, I'll be detailing a case from the year 1934. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would love for you to hit the subscribe button. I would also love for you to rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcast, as it really does help out. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me at crimesofadecade at gmail.com.